0: This episode of Heavy Cardboard is brought to you by the wonderful folks from Game Surplus and BoardGameTables.com. Thanks for the support of Heavy Cardboard.
1: Heavy Cardboard, Episode 80. Lisboa. Coming to you from Rain Soap, Denver, Colorado, welcome to Heavy Cardboard, where we talk medium and heavy strategy board games, war games, 18xx, and other related topics in the board gaming hobby. We're your hosts. I'm Edward. And I'm Amanda. So WBC is coming on. Yep. Definitely unlike any other convention that either of us has ever gone to.
0: Yeah, we're used to game, you know, being like open gaming and stuff, but this was very tournament focused. I've yeah. never been to a con like that. Yeah,
1: well, I I think this is really the only one outside of, well, I mean, I guess you could say the eighteen XX conventions, right, But Portland, Chattanooga, stuff like that are tournament, but they're not really. They're just open gaming, right? That okay, hey, you get
0: like you get a score sheet, right? Yeah, right.
1: Exactly. Where is this? There was well over a hundred different games that were tournaments. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything from really obscure, old school Avalon Hill stuff like yeah. football strategy. Yeah, hell, even Faxon Five had yeah. a tournament. Yeah, and then there was new stuff like Scythe, Terraforming mm-hmm. Mars, which was far and away the most popular game at WBC, which definitely took me completely by surprise. Yeah,
0: I yeah. Me too. I, I I mean, I understand that it's a that it's, you know, very popular, but to me that seemed like not this year, you know. Well, not
1: only that, but not in that environment I Yeah. Thought.
0: Yeah, you th- just in my head WBC is all tournaments and all war games. Like right. that's, you yeah. know.
1: Right. Well, no, no, and that's, that's why what, That's and, what
0: everybody thinks, right. right? And
1: that's why we part of the reason we did the what we're calling our daily diaries. Mm-hmm. So if you guys haven't heard those and you want a more in-depth night or day by day look because we were there for eight days Mm -hmm. and I think we ended up doing seven daily diaries. We didn't do one the last day because, Hey, we woke up packed left. Right. (laughs) Uh, that said, yeah, it was, it felt a little clickish to me. Um, and what I mean by that is these people, a lot of these people that go to WBC have been going to WBC for since, years, since it was Avalon years. Hill Con or whatever, right? Uh, Avalon Con, I think it was. However, I got to be honest that I was really surprised that most folks didn't take things too seriously. I mean, you're always going to have a few of those. Oh yeah, people. Oh yeah, and I encountered two of those people, but they didn't ruin the convention for me. Mm-hmm. I just I knew that there was going to be some of them, right, right. and by those people, I mean. You know the type, the super alphas, the super the people whose self-worth is tied up in how they do in these tournament yeah. games. Yeah. And yeah, that whatever. Anyway, that said, ran into a surprising amount of fellow elephants, we did. fans of the show, listeners, viewers, everything. Uh both like from Canada. We met some that were from overseas. It was I was truly shocked yeah, at how many people recognize this even yeah. really
0: yeah me too it, it it was it never gets old
1: well no i mean it's it's awesome yes. right and most of the time we got recognized we weren't wearing our any heavy cardboard right. gear we were, we were just, just wearing
0: clothes <laughs> so that
1: was that was cool that was yes. an unexpected perk Yeah, uh, for surprise sure. yeah uh it's held in, i i guess we should talk about that it's held in a mountain resort mm-hmm. down in kind of south central kind of southwest corner of pennsylvania mm-hmm. It's called Seven Springs Mountain Resort. So it's a ski area. Yeah. That it just so happens this is during the summer, so there's no skiing. But there is mountain biking. Mm -hmm. There's hiking. There's there's, an
0: alpine slide.
1: Yeah, there's all kinds of like outdoor activities if you want to do, which is cool. We did not partake because, honestly, it came with resort prices Mm -hmm. (laughs) and some of this stuff. Uh, But outside of that, the food was good. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was, shoot, like eight, ten different... Choices for places to Mm -hmm. eat in a given day, everything from buffets to super high dollar, you know, like five diamond resort type food. All the way down to bar food.
0: Yeah, and it was everybody was very nice. I didn't feel um, like all of the workers and everything, and just even everybody just at the convention, nobody was mean or rude. It was just they were nice. Yeah, everybody was yeah, nice. Like
1: I and you said earlier that you expected it to be like all tournaments and all war gamers and all grognards, right? And even even I, I mean there were some hardcore grognards. Oh like, yeah, there were some people that were playing uh, a couple of monster. Uh, War Games, like they started on Saturday and they finished on the following Sunday. Well, and
0: sometimes they didn't even finish. They just were going to stop. Yeah,
1: they wrapped up. Right. But even they... Oh, super kind, yeah. super approachable. And I, like, I, I I was taking pictures and tweeting them. You kind of built up throughout. a rapport
0: with the guys from ni- the 1914 game Yeah, where every day you would go by and they'd be like, okay, let's give you the update for today. You know, and it was just, <laughs> that it was, was cool. It was really cool. There were
1: 11 different games of a world at war. Which is crazy. Uh, which is staggering to me. Like, running concurrently. Like, all, of, it, it was just, or, yeah.
0: And what was cool was each individual game had a little sign indicating at what point in the game they were. You know, like what where they were oh, and what year. Oh, you're
1: talking in a World of yeah. War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, Winter, 43. Right. And stuff like that. Yeah, that was pretty cool. So overall, uh, had a blast. Um, I'll be honest, the skill level and the competition level was higher than I expected. Yep. By a magnitude of yeah. a lot. Like we played Castles of Burgundy. I scored... I don't know, right around 220. I was feeling pretty good about Mm -hmm. myself. Took third.
0: Yeah, and I scored over 200 and got dead last. So, (laughs) But we both have come up with the games that we want to practice for next year.
1: Yeah, and and there will be practicing. Oh, uh, yeah. There were a couple games that I was too intimidated to play, Mm -hmm. to be honest, because I thought that there were going to be absolute true sharks in this game. Like Brass, the original Brass. Oh, I'd be terrified. I, I, I stayed away. Puerto Rico, Agricola. And St. Petersburg. All of those, I figured, I mean, I just didn't even stand a chance. Now, some of these tournaments, they have different heats to where you can play in multiple Yeah, like the Terraforming Mars
0: one had four heats, and I played in two of them. Right.
1: You could choose to play in all four. Mm -hmm. And if you win one or two of the heats, meaning of your game, you're probably going to advance to the semifinals Mm -hmm. or the next round or whatever it is. And like the Seki Gahara tournament that uh Matt Calkins was uh was running, that was five rounds all in one day. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of Seki Gahara. Yes. Whereas some of these, there was like one heat on Sunday, there was one on Tuesday, mm-hmm. there was one on They're Thursday, spaced out, and right. whatever. And
0: it just play depends it on how the, you want. And it just I mean, depends on how the GM wants to run it, it's my understanding. But a lot of them, like the girl that I played Castles of Burgundy with, one of the people she had learned it like 10 minutes before. So that's the beauty of this thing is that you can, they all of the games have demos, including uh, not, Virgin Queen.
1: Not all, but yeah, yeah that, m- that cracked me most up. Most of them.
0: Fine. Have yeah, a one demo- hour
1: demo of Virgin Queen. Hey, I'm going to go yeah, play it. Let's tournament. go
0: play it. Yeah. Okay. What? <laughs> um, but yeah, so you, you, don't have, you don't have to know the game right. to play. Like,
1: there, there were a couple that I didn't know how to play and I learned at the time. So my first uh, tournament, um, or I, so the tournaments that I played in, I played in Terraforming, Mars, I took second in that game, didn't advance. Uh, Castles of Burgundy, played well, took third. Liar's Dice, my team event, mm-hmm. made the second round. Which is technically the semifinals. Got smoked. Oh well. Then uh, played Elkfest. Yeah. That. That's a fun little that's game. A, that's a cute little two-player dexterity game. Mm-hmm. That you know it's funny when I saw it and I learned how to play it there. You and I learned mm-hmm. how to play it against one another. When I got beat in the second round of that my eyes got opened up to wow there is some legitimate high level strategy which is that, so funny that goes into this and there there are some legitimate sharks playing elk <laughs> Fest out there which cracked me up but at the same time
0: like you were you were afraid to play brass because of the sharks but you wound up playing sharks and elk fest. Right. Who knew? Right.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> the other game that I entered uh, based on Carmen from game surpluses recommendation. He he talked about it during the, uh, the live auction was Pacific Typhoon slash Atlantic storm, which is a card game kind of trick taking game in a world war two theme mm-hmm. that, has a little bit of dice in there and fascinating to me let's put it this way even though i got robbed by the dice which you can go back and listen to i think it's day six or seven Mm -hmm. that i talked about that in the daily diaries um it was good enough to where we bought the last copy that game surplus had and ben i can't remember his last name i apologize ben the designer of atlantic storm and pacific typhoon had prototype copies of the second edition of Atlantic storm and he and the guys behind lock and load gave us a copy to bring home mm-hmm. so we could mess around with it. I was that smitten with the game. That's really cool. You learned how to play You didn't play in the tournament, but right. you learned how to play yeah, it. Yeah.
0: I just, I'm not comfortable if it was our group, then sure. But I'm not comfortable learning a game and then jumping right into playing other people. Just, Fair enough. Just and, not used to it. And I not played with
1: the developer, John, who was just nice as can be. Just a sweetheart of a guy. And uh, he, he, he won the tournament. Of course.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so overall, uh, definitely a really great time at WBC. Yeah. It's one that we absolutely want to go back to. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if it wasn't in, I guess... If you don't realize what WBC stands for, it's World Board Game Championships. Like you get a plaque, you get laurels. Yeah, it's um, fancy on your badge. It's it's pretty. And the laurels
0: carry over each year as well.
1: And I I you know we had zero. Your badges have two zeros on them. Well, at least ours did because we're new. And therefore, overall, and how many did you get last year? There are some people that have thousands Mm -hmm. of laurels, or at least over a thousand, and like. Some of the guys we played against had 50 laurels last year. To get a laurel, you have to finish in the top six, which means you made multiple final tables. Mm-hmm. Oof. Yeah. Um
0: that's not happening. Brass, at least for me.
1: Brass Birmingham is going to be a tournament next year. Yes. I got a heads up on this. Yeah, these you people. do. I'm I'm in that.
0: Yep, for sure.
1: So yeah. Thanks a lot to Carmen over at Game Surplus for Putting that together and and making it possible that we could go, that Mm -hmm. was an amazing time. It was a lot of fun. It was a a blast of a time. So, gotta say that overall, I was pleasantly surprised both how welcoming and and just cordial everybody was, both within WBC, the players, as well as the staff Mm -hmm. at Seven Springs. So, yeah, definitely high marks on that. And the only two gripes that I ever heard from anybody was the Wi-Fi sucked. Yes. Outside of the restaurant area in the front lobby, which apparently that's going to be addressed. And the food's kind of spendy because this just in you're at a resort. Yes. Outside of that, I, I mean if those are your only two complaints. It's pretty good. I, I as as folks who run a convention, yes. that you're winning. Yeah. If you do that. So yeah, WBC, really good time. And again, go listen to the Daily Diaries if you want a more detailed look at those.
0: All right, Gen Con's next week. Be excited? I
1: am. Uh, I'm going to be spending a few hours every day at the Capstone Games booth, which is booth number 1558. We're going to have a fresh restock of the most comfortable T-shirts in existence. Oh, yeah. And we're going to have them in four colors. Clay or Russet, mm-hmm. you know, for you 18XXers out yes. there. Orange, mint, and blue. We're also going to have a handful Of copies of the heavy cardboard Lisboa promo for anyone who buys a shirt. I say we're only going to have a handful. I don't know how many that is. Why, you might ask.
0: You you see, there is a fire.
1: There was a fire and it took out some of the promo cards as well. So uh, I talked to Alex, uh, who is the head of Eagle Griffin today, and he confirmed that they will have um, copies that. If you buy a copy of Lisboa from them, they'll have one of the heavy cardboard promos for you. Okay. If you're not buying one there, you can come by, help out the show, buy, buy a picture. shirt, get a promo. Yeah, yeah. It works that simple.
0: Mm-hmm. We'll
1: figure out how to get more of the promo, which we're going yeah, to once yeah, they're yeah. reprinted, and figure out how to get uh, those out to those not attending HeavyCon or HeavyCon, yeah, GenCon. We'll do that after Gen Con. So save your email, save all that.
0: It'll happen. We just don't know when. Then... And we
1: don't know exactly how we're going to go about doing that yet. But we will no. I, I assure you, you will know as soon as and we decide.
0: We'll figure it out.
1: But as far as Gen Con in general, I'm excited about it. Because the last time that we went to mm-hmm. Gen Con, this time it's only me. Right. The last time we went was pre. Heavy cardboard Mm -hmm. didn't exist, and we were a little overwhelmed at it, and it was just...
0: We hadn't even been doing this for a year yet. We hadn't even been in the hobby for a year yet. Right,
1: when we went, Mm -hmm. and so it's going to be a whole lot different this time. Yeah, We are going to have some sort of really small-scale meetup, and by meetup, I mean, hey, you guys want to go grab dinner? Let's go. We're going to go. We're going to figure out where we'll announce it in the next episode and figure that out also. Also, later this week in episode 81 on Thursday, we're going to have a list of games that I'm going to, that's on my, hey, I want to check out list over at Gen Con. Okay, cool. So that'll be uh, hopefully exciting for you guys to listen to and critique. Yeah. Or maybe it's something that wasn't on your list that might be now. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, in general, looking forward to meeting listeners, viewers of the show and networking mm-hmm. I mean really that's and I'm curious to see the uh, vendor hall because now having gone to Essen you're not
0: gonna be as overwhelmed oh
1: not at all I'll be like what this is it right come at me bro <laughs> I've been to Essen. Uh, but yeah I'm, I'm excited and of course I'll be taking pictures mm-hmm. I'll be doing a daily diary as well as talking to a bunch of people while I'm there and so yeah it should be a good time yeah. I'm excited about it
0: good well You will be missed here at HCHQ, but I know you'll have a good time.
1: Yep. Next year. Yes. Next year.
0: So at WBC, you got to play Railroads, right?
1: Yeah, I did. I actually was able to play with the designer and publisher who is Social Hour Games, but it's Brian Hanrahan. So he sent us a prototype of the second edition about a year ago. Yeah, And we played it a number of times, and the production quality was stupidly mm-hmm. amazing. Stellar,
0: it, I believe, would be the correct yeah, it's term. Yeah,
1: all, it's all, you know, uh, hand or um, laser engraved wood. I mean, it was just, it was nuts, mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. over the top, in the best way possible. Yes. When we played it, we came from an Age of Steam background, mm-hmm. and he actually plays games with John Bohr. so that kind of makes sense that that would be the inspiration right. for his game. However, we just... We didn't really like it for the simple fact that the rules didn't seem to flow and it was really unintuitive. Well, Brian has since tweaked the rules and it is currently on Kickstarter. I think it still is. Uh, Anyway, that's not why we're talking about it. We're just talking about it because I wanted to talk about Mm -hmm. it. I was really pleasantly surprised at how well the game played and how much I enjoyed it. Great. It got to the point to where I really... I want to break it back out and be like, okay, so this is what's changed and this is how it plays. It's it's all a pick up and deliver. You have two types of cubes. You have passenger cubes and then you have freight cubes. Mm-hmm. And there is one unintuitive thing if you're coming from an age of steam background that all of the companies that you start, so whether it's the Penn, you know, the, pen, the NYC, whatever, they can start anywhere you want them to. But they're the laser-cut wood in a in a cool shape, right? Mm -hmm. All the track that you lay has to emanate from the hub, from where the company started. In Age of Steam, there aren't companies to begin with. I get that, but when you or in eighteen XX for that matter, I guess would be a similar. Normally, you can start from wherever your starting city is, mm-hmm. go to the next city, then from that city, go to the next city, et cetera, et, right. et cetera. Right, you can
0: build off of it like right.
1: that. You cannot right. in this game. Everything must trace back to your hub. And the reason is there's mergers. When companies, when their track meets, mm-hmm. if the presidents agree to merge, the shares that you have in their investments payout, out, et cetera, et cetera. But all of these delivery cubes that you have, whether it's passengers or freight, mm-hmm. when new ones come out onto these cities after they've been previously delivered, they have to go to a new city. So if you've already connected to a brown hex for, these brown, for this brown good, mm-hmm. you can't deliver these brown goods to that city anymore. It must go to a new city. Brown City so either you have to build track from your your hub from your central hub of your company out to a new Brown Wow or you have to merge with a company that then has access to all these other cities so all of a sudden the moment those companies merge all these cubes get delivered, passengers as well as freight, because maybe you have access to six different color, you know, all the, or not six different color, but three different color cities, mm-hmm. and all these passengers get to go to a new that's city.
0: That's awesome because it, that's that's very foreign to yeah. an of Steam player.
1: To where it's not like, oh, it's a brown cube I delivered to the yeah. new, no, no it's got to be to a different one because you're already connected. Yeah, that's, that'll so take some time. It, it's a little bit, I don't want to say wonky, it's just different. different. And the way the dividends pay out and everything is is it, it mechanically it's very simple
2: mm-hmm.
1: however it it requires a lot of thought on my part mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I'm like eh, i can't build i can't branch right. out or it's, you have to branch out you can't you know go from city to city to city, and so you have to there's a way to upgrade track so if you have a curved track, you then can upgrade it to where mm-hmm. it's a like a star shape to where yeah. it has different outlets or a straight with a curve in it that type thing and so it's 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 very 18xx age theme, but super super light rules wise mm-hmm. but but the not play, strategy. yeah the gameplay is really really clever mm-hmm. and timing of mergers and it allows you to move shares around and i was really really pleasantly awesome. surprised by it now i know the one that's out or either was or currently is on kickstarter is for a cloth map, but everything else is all wood pieces. So I don't know. Uh I, I think he was limiting the number of like fully wooden, like the board is a huge piece yeah, of enormous. wood. It's enormous. I think that was limited or whatnot. But anyway, if he does decide to restart this and, and kickstart it again, I would recommend checking it out. It's it's a lighter game than an Age of Steam or an 18xx, but that doesn't mean it's not. A worthy game, if that makes sense at all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, definitely enjoyed that. And uh, I appreciate uh, Brian giving me a chance to try it again. And I'm glad he asked us to or asked me to because it's a game that I was like, Ugh, with yeah, to begin we, with. Yeah, whereas we were. now I was like, dude, I want to play this again. I really enjoyed that.
0: I just, it's, I like games that have mergers, you know, like in, Indon- reminds me of what you're saying about Indonesia, obviously, but.
1: Not at all. I mean, the mergers are. Hey, you want to merge? Let's connect our two companies. Yeah, we'll do that.
0: Right, but. but
1: but then there's a. Well, I don't want to necessarily merge because last turn you invested in your or my company more to where this merger is going to benefit you more than oh, it does me. So it's on so a whole no. other
0: level, right? Yeah, wow. it, totally. So that's cool.
1: Yeah, so definitely enjoyed it. Um, that was one of the game highlights for me, along with uh, Pacific. Pacific Typhoon, even though I'm bitter that the dice hate me. Stupid dice. Stupid dice.
0: We love hearing from y'all and interacting with our fellow elephants. So if you'd like to reach out to us, head on over to heavycardboard.com. You'll find our email and social media accounts there. But if you'd like to call and leave us voicemail.
1: Yes, with the caveat that we may use it on the show. Uh
0: Uh-huh. Hit us up at 720 675
1: 8975
0: 7, 8, Oh yeah. And don't forget about all the video content we're producing over on YouTube. We can be found over there at Heavy Cardboard Bids. Feel like going to Lisbon?
1: Yes, but we're not going there. We're just going to talk about the game Lisboa. How okay. about that? All okay. right. Okay. Lisboa. Published in 2017, designed by Vital Lacerda, artwork by Ian O'Toole. Published by Eagle Griffin Games, plays in about 60 to 120 minutes or so. As far as the availability and cost, to the best of my knowledge, this is only available directly from Eagle Griffin, and it ranges from 90 bucks up to 117 for the standard and deluxe editions, respectively this was kickstarted, so i don't know if it's going to see wider distribution mm, mm-hmm. i imagine it will but as of right now that's the only place that i know has it okay as far as plays and player counts it's got to be upwards of eight nine times now across the all player counts with the caveat that we haven't played it solo so i guess we should yeah, say so that's the two only through one four yeah. right
0: so what's going on in the game
1: Lisboa is about reconstructing the city of Lisbon, Portugal, after the worst week in the history of the city. In 1755, on All Saints Day, November 1st, the city was devastated by a massive 9.0 on a Richter scale earthquake. Well, what follows earthquakes that happen on the coast? Of course a tsunami came and crushed the city. And since that's not bad enough, three days of fires ravaged the city. The game begins at that point. Where the players use their hands of cards to help rebuild the city. Vital likes the joke that the game really is quite simple. You play a card, either to your tableau, called your portfolio, or to the board, i.e. the royal court, then take the associated action or actions, then draw a card. Easy game, right? He's right that it can be boiled down to that simple, but in those actions lies a multitude of options. Help clear the rubble from the streets and build stores to be able to produce goods and score points. Maybe clear rubble by building public buildings which trigger said scoring of stores. Will you bring ships to export goods and gain money and wigs which are the victory points in the game? Yes, wigs. Maybe you'll go visit the church and the Cardinal and gain some rule-breaking powerful benefits. Or maybe, you know, just grease the skids, so to speak, of the three nobles, the king, the marquis, or the builder, by spending resources to be able to take other actions that make all of the above easier and possible. Those are just some of the choices that you're going to have over the course of a couple hours to score the most wigs by the end of the game.
0: I love that it's wigs.
1: I, seriously, apparently that was like uh, that was that was huge clout. You could trade wigs like That's what, crazy. dude? Check out this wig, <laughs> yo, dog. <laughs> All right, so the five factors that we think contribute to giving a game its weight. So we'll start out with p- complexity.
0: This isn't where the game gets its weight from. You don't I? think so? No, I feel like that it, it's more another one of our little factors here that
1: said there is some rules overhead and yeah. again vital breaks it down what you play a card do something draw a card it's that simple yeah not so much there are a number of i don't want to call them fiddly rules but rules that will remain i guess i, I guess that by definition that would be a fiddly rule that is easy to forget yeah. or overlook, or a little step here or there mm-hmm. that little gotchas that until you've played the game a couple of times, shoot, I forgot to do right. that. Right, exactly. Thing. Yeah. So outside of that, though, the game flows, or I should say, the flow of the game helps contribute to the rules overhead being a more manageable level.
0: Yes, because like I feel like that if you had them both up there, then your brain would melt. So now planning is the one that that's where I feel that the game gets its complexity and, or where it gets the weight from.
1: Yeah, and the depth of the yeah. game. I mean, failing to plan turns ahead is going to result at best falling behind and at worst unable to execute any strategic plan that you thought you originally yeah. had. The planning in this game isn't just within a single span of a turn, but you have to be able to plan both long-term over the course of the entire game, but also a few turns ahead. Do you want to be able to build a public building? Well, to be able to do that, you better have state officials that are in the different offices of the nobles. In addition to that, you have to have the plans to be able to build a public Mm -hmm. building. So if you haven't planned in advance to have these things at your disposal, then you're not going to be able to do it. The same goes for the stores. Planning not only where you want to build it what street you want to build it on but also what rubble you're going to remove yes. from that which in turn leaves certain amounts and certain types of rubble mm-hmm. whether it's earthquake fire or flood damage which you're going to have to pay differing amounts over the core or depending on what's left out there. So did you plan enough to be able to afford it? Are you going to have to be, have to spend influence to be able to, to be able to afford to build that? Because if you did, or if you do have to spend influence, now that's going to affect your ability to go visit the nobles in a subsequent turn due to your piss poor planning. Exactly.
0: You have to plan, like you have to have an overarching plan for the entire game. Then you have to have one for the halfway point of the game. Then you have, you know, just you can't, not plan you just can't
1: <laughs> on that note something that does help with that are the decree cards which the decree cards are basically in-game goal cards mm-hmm. or in-game scoring cards that you can accumulate zero or you can accumulate 15 of them yeah over there's the no limit the game right. so if you're if you're swimming around the game kind of aimless just <laughs> like dory just keep swimming <laughs> just
0: keep swimming, swimming
1: if you like Dory, then pick up some decree cards, which will help give you a focus. You can have direction that right. way. Exactly. And so I, I'm not going to say that these are there to coddle the players. However, I mean, you always say that you enjoy having a direction yeah. in a game and yeah. and then going from there and then branching out from that
0: point. Yeah. Especially if I'm first just learning the game, I really have to have a direction. Cause if you just drop me in the middle of a game and tell me, go do stuff. I'm like, but, but you know, there's just too many options.
1: Right. And so the planning can be focused on those decree right. cards until the game coalesces around mm-hmm. those. Mm-hmm. And so that, that is one of the options that you have. Oh yeah. So we're, in agreement then that the planning is is the meat of where yes. this this game's weight is going to re- absolutely. rely absolutely. Okay, all right. So moving on to the luck and random factors. So there's pre-game, the setup of the public building bonuses and the store bonuses, along with the value of each street's building, what that's going to be worth, what what each street, each building on each street, what they'll be worth. That's all randomized and set up. Mm-hmm before the game starts then you have the randomness during the game which is the clergy tiles and the decree cards now you do get a couple of clergy tiles at the beginning of the game and then select one of the two to Mm -hmm. keep the decree cards you get to see nine of them set up before the game starts but after that I mean, there's a massive deck of decree cards Yes, that run the gamut of score for this, score for that, score for this, mm-hmm. score for that, score for that over there. <laughs> and so there, you don't know what decree cards are going to come out when. Mm-hmm. You don't know the order of which the political cards. There are four stacks of political cards. You have cards for the builder. You have uh, cards for the marquee, uh, stacks of cards. Mm-hmm. And you have a stack of cards for the king, as well as treasury cards. It's all the same cards that you're from game to game. It's, I want to say four to six in each stack.
0: Sounds right. I think it's six. Yeah.
1: And then, Even though it's the same cards game to game, the order in which those cards Mm -hmm. come out, because they all have, even though, okay, these are all the builder cards, they still have different bonuses and they have different influence values on them. And so the order in which those come out changes throughout the game. So really the three main random factors during the game, clergy tiles, the decree cards, Mm -hmm. and the order of which the political cards show up in the various decks. How do you think that affects the game as far as weight-wise?
0: Well, I mean, you do kind of... If if you've played it a couple of times, you kind of already know what's coming because you've seen it before, but you don't know what in what order they're going to come, and you don't know... It's hard because like you know which one you hope is going to come up next or, oh, do I really want... I need that treasury card because I really need gold, but, oh, man, I really... I kinda need to go see the marquee. So I need that car you know, just there's a it adds to it because you 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 know what's coming, but you really you don't know when it's gonna come.
1: So does that mean you have to be able to adjust plan wise? Adapt and overcome. So, yeah. Okay. So in that respect you're saying it's contributing to the weight, but then there's no output randomness. There's only input right, randomness, right. right? So yeah, I, I would be inclined to agree. Mm-hmm. So then that moves on to the uh, the game length, which is provided that players know the rules, turns should move quickly, and the game moves pretty smoothly ahead, I think. Yeah. Although I would say that maybe in a two-player game, the game almost ca- can, can go too quick.
0: Yeah, when we played, it was like, wait, what?
1: Yeah, wait, it's my turn again yeah. already, right? Yeah. So I don't think there's anything here game length-wise that's going to contribute to the wait. However... I mean, AP players are going to AP and they're going to, they're going to, you know, suck the soul out of (laughs) any game that they play. (laughs) So I I wouldn't say that this is any different one way or the other in that regard. Last but not least, we have the getting it factor.
0: Yeah. um, There's just so much going on that to me, it's going to take, it's going to take probably half the game. Okay it it took a long time for me to there's just so many moving parts and so many different cards and so many different places to go and so many different things to do that it's going to take it's going to take a few turns
1: yeah i i definitely think at least i think by the halfway point of the game you'll start like things will start to be like okay right. and you'll have to refer to the player aid mm-hmm. a little bit oh, less yeah. um the impact of the decree cards the uh, absolutely needs to clearly be explained by whoever teaches the Mm -hmm. game for new players and the impact and the amount of scoring that can come from those. Our buddy Sweater Mike likes to say that if a game has in-game scoring, it's probably going to be significant and you should probably focus Mm -hmm. somewhat on that. And that's definitely, while not entirely true in this game that you have to focus on that, if somebody is focusing on that, just because they're laggard, no, well, not necessarily, but just because they're lagging behind in points, they can catch up quick, fast, mm-hmm. and in a hurry at the end, which is what happened in one of our games on a live stream. Mm-hmm. That the decree cards can really surprise people at how many points those can score.
0: You just really can't ignore them. If if everybody's not ignoring them, you definitely can't ignore them.
1: And there are definitely multiple strategies to explore. So the depth's going to require multiple plays to not only play your own game, but get to the point to where you can play others as well to be able to anticipate as well as to be able to block other players. So being able to function and, yes, I can play the game, I'd say about half the game. Yeah. To be able to play it well, well. It's, it's going to be a mean, little while. It's going to be a bit, right? But then again, it should be. Yes. So ultimately, the game falls in what weight class, do you think?
0: To me, this is heavy.
1: I think that... Okay, I was going to wait until later to pose this question to you, but I I think now is actually a good place to put it, and that's where would you rank this as far as Vital's other games? Uh, Like, okay, we'll take the main two, at least for us, which Mm -hmm. is Kanban and Vinos. Yeah. Where do you feel like it it falls in that? Because Vito himself has said that he feels that this is lighter than Kanban and lighter than The Gallerist. Now, to our defense, we've only played The Gallerist a couple times, and it's been forever. So that's why I'm kind of not really including that. I still feel like Vinos is heavier, but this is up there with it myself.
0: Yeah, that's especially the old rules. With oh, Vinos, Yeah, yeah, the original. Um, yeah. Yeah, the 2010 version. I would version. say that it, in my opinion, I would say this, it goes Vinos, then Lisboa, then Kanban.
1: I agree. Yeah. And then Galaris somewhere around the Kanban, maybe a I step can't speak lower, to it, yeah. I think. So, yeah, I, I'd be inclined to agree with that. For me, I mean, again, it's all relative mm-hmm. and it's really, I mean, does it really matter whether it's medium heavy or heavy? No. Eh, but... It's 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 above medium, I'll tell you that. It's definitely just because the amount of decisions that you're going to have to make and the impact that they're going to have. So I would lean towards medium heavy. Um, but I I have no qualms with you thinking it's it's heavy. I, I, I could definitely see that.
0: Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the cardboard. What do you think about, you know, the components and graphic design and artwork and stuff?
1: Honestly. All right. Let's start with the components. Eagle Griffin killed it. Yes. When it comes to the production value of Lisboa. There's lots of chunky custom wooden bits, super thick cardboard, everything. Mm -hmm. And the player boards, dude, the player boards.
0: Amazing player boards. They are, they're three layers. They have areas to hold your rubble cubes. They have areas to hold your building markers, your state officials. And by
1: to hold, you mean they're the they're inset. sunken in, yeah. 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 L- like people raved about the scythe right. player boards. Right, like you right? can you
0: can hit it and stuff's not going to go flying around. Right, right. You can tuck your cards in the top and the bottom. Yeah, they're-
1: because it, the player boards it they're kind of they're raised a little because there's an extra piece of cardboard mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. A, a third layer that's back there that raises. But it's cut out for where the cards Yeah, they slide. fit in so there you, perfect. Yeah. So you don't need like the rubber feet like you would in like Glory to Rome, oh, Glory to Rome right. and stuff. Right? right. Exactly. If I had the tiniest of critiques, though, of the player board, it's going to be that the holding places or those little indentions mm-hmm. for the rubble cubes and state officials and all that. They're bigger than the actual pieces are. So they're yeah. not snug. So they kind of jiggle they jiggle and
0: um the public officials spot the
1: state officials yes, state yes. official
0: spot is just one long thing so
1: they're not individual no, and so they're top heavy so it's easy to knock well, them I over well i mean they are wigs <laughs> fair enough <laughs>
0: they're wearing wigs
1: uh so other than i i, I mean seriously we're having a nitpick yeah. the component wise and i want to give a special props to something that to my knowledge Only Eagle Griffin is doing. There may be other publishers that I'm unaware of that do this, but they throw in an extra baggie full of just extra pieces. They're just spare parts.
0: Which is awesome.
1: So, oh, were you short a cube? Did you lose a cube? Mm -hmm. Did you lose a building or whatever? Or
0: did you drop it at a convention and no one said anything? Oh,
1: hey, I have this little baggie of extra spare parts. Genius. Yeah, it's really nice. I mean, it's... It's little stuff. I mean, yeah. it costs more. I I mean, I, everything costs if it's in the game, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it's a nice touch that they included, which I'm a really big fan of. Also, another little tiny nitpick about the bo- uh, the player boards is while they are super thick, again, three layers of mm-hmm. cardboard, they are bowing just a little yeah. bit. Um, But I don't think it's a major issue one way or the other. The cards... Thick linen finished. The addition of the public building and store randomizer tiles in the del- deluxe edition fantastic boost to the game. Now, there's nothing wrong with the ones that are printed on the board. So, over on the right hand side of the board, you have where you build the stores as well as the public buildings. And there are printed bonuses whenever you build a building on them or a store on them, you get that bonus. Mm-hmm. But they're stagnant as as far as, I mean, they're printed on the board. Right. What these randomizer tiles are is they're all of those. You randomize them every game. So, I mean, it's going to just give enough variability to the game to constantly make it feel fresh, as well as to give players a new wrinkle to take into effect each and every game to where, oh, yeah, I really want that gold. Oh, wait, that gold resource <laughs> is now over there and that if i build it there then that's only going to give me three points Mm -hmm. as opposed to this other street that's going to give me five plus the building the public buildings are built up there and it's not do i really want that resource now and i love that little touch that 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 has huge huge fan anything Mm -hmm. that adds variability without being a gimmick I'm a huge fan of. So big props on that component-wise as well.
0: And they also include bags for the rubble cubes and the clergy tiles. And they're nice and sturdy big bags. Your hands can fit in there without yeah, like a problem. Yeah, even,
1: even my big hands yeah. can fit in there. So, yes, I'm very grateful for that. There, There's more, but that gives you the idea, right? Even the insert for the game is usable. So, yes, nice. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah, overall, component-wise, knocked it out of the park. Production quality.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: All right, as far as the box size, mm-hmm. so this is a big, very thick, sturdy box. It's identical to the other highly produced VTOL Eagle Griffin collaborations. So the new version of Vinos mm-hmm. and the Gallerist. It's 15 and a half inches by 12 and a half inches by three and a half inches. It's a big box. Yes. 40 centimeters by 32 centimeters by nine centimeters. All right, graphic design, you take over now.
0: The board, it looks very busy.
1: Yeah, at a glance, for sure. Yeah,
0: but I mean, the graphic design is useful. It's fluid throughout. Um, There are little reminders, you know, here and there, and that, speaking of reminders, that player aid is really, really, really good, and you have to have that thing. But it is sometimes hard to remember where a certain reminder is for one thing or another.
1: Yeah, it's... That, I think, could have been done a little bit better Mm -hmm. than it currently is, because... Yes, there are reminders, but trying to find where a certain reminder is, I shouldn't have to hunt for a reminder to remind me of certain things, if that makes sense. And yeah, not the actual, I don't find myself ever using those that are on either the player boards, the portfolios, or on the main board. I just never use them. It's all, either I'm using a player aid, or I've committed it to memory, or I look it up in a rule book mm-hmm. and I think that and that could be a me problem, but I feel like that's kind of a failing okay. as far as if I'm not using, I don't want to have to search, I guess is what I'm saying. You
0: don't want to be reminded that you need to look for a reminder.
1: Right. And, and then try and have to search for mm-hmm, it. And mm-hmm. so I feel like that could have been better or if and I don't know if this is commonplace or if this is a me issue, but. If people aren't using it why is it on there exactly
0: why is it taking up real estate right
1: just yeah on that note the reference number on the clergy tiles and the decree cards is super tiny yes and there are going to be a number of folks who either are playing in low light conditions or n- less than ideal light conditions or you know don't have perfect eyesight mm-hmm. they're going to struggle trying to read those numbers now the iconography, there's a lot of it on in this game, not Race to the Galaxy right. iconography, and it's consistent throughout the entire game.
0: But until you know what it is, you're gonna
1: have to reference those yeah. those little numbers that are on there, and it's it's a small font trying yeah. to get those numbers, and then you have to look them up in the player aid, Which okay, I have no problem with that.
0: It's just seeing the, it. Yeah. yeah, the
1: sizing of that is going to be an issue for folks. But I mean, counter,
0: sure. counterpoint to that, I can see why they chose to, for it to be as small as it is. I mean, you know, you don't want a gigantic number right on the middle of it. I get that.
1: But, but it could have to be useful. It
0: could have been bolded or something. Yeah,
1: yeah I think bolding it would have yeah. made it uh, easier, more legible yeah. for older or tired eyes. Yeah, tired eyes work? for sure. And on that note, as you mentioned earlier, the the player aid is absolutely invaluable, but more on that in a little bit.
0: All right. So as we you know talked about before, the board does look very busy at a, at first glance, and it's very blue.
1: Yeah. Uh, some people said, I'm going to reference this as VTOL's blue period. <laughs> but I'll be honest, both of those things make sense when you look at it in the context of the artwork in the game itself. The game takes place during the golden age of the azulejo period, which is the specific type of ceramic tile work that Ian O'Toole chose to use to be the focus of the artwork.
0: Which is stunning.
1: It's it's pretty amazing. Yeah. The the attention to detail that was done on the artwork is really both impressive and wow. Mhm. That's cool.
0: I mean, it, some of it's so lifelike that there's, you know, obviously it's tile, so there's cracks in it.
1: Right, there's chips, there's scratches, right. there's all that and stuff.
0: They, it looks like you kind of have to search for where does the board fold, because there's so many tile cracks that it, all, some of them look like they could be where the, bol- where the board folds. And,
1: and that's a good thing, because oh, yeah. it, it blends that well. So, yeah, seriously, stunning artwork. Um, I will say this, though. For those that are worried about how busy the board looks, once you learn the game, the the busyness fades to the background and the important information stands out yeah. again, with the exception of the little hints and reminder, little mm-hmm. iconography that's on the player boards and the in the main board, at least for me.
0: All right. So let's talk about that rule book. I got to say,
1: fantastic rule book for us to learn from. That's how we learn this game. Now, I did watch Paul Grogan's, you know, video at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So that helped. But then when I went and read the rulebook, really laid out really well. Lots of examples, pictures, help clarify any questions I had. I mean, honestly, there were only two nitpicks that I could find on the rulebook. Both have to do with two-player rules. One of them is not all the two-player changes are consistently bolded. In the, in the setup, mm-hmm. that aggravated me. So I was... Uh, yeah, so you have to read he, that carefully.
0: Yes, because you just kind of scanned it the first time and then...
1: Looking for bold. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is bold. So it should be... No, nope, right. that's not the case. Yep. Then during setup for the two-player game, the six additional rubble cubes that are placed down in the little rubble pile mm-hmm. at the bottom of the board, you still place those. The extra rubble from row E that's not being used goes out of the game. But that's not really clear. I had to read that a number of times. And then, oh wait, they meant that as opposed to the rubble pile that's down there. So that could have been a lot clearer than what it was. But seriously, if those are the only gripes that I can find with the rule book, that's pretty amazing. And I'll be honest, now, I'm grateful We didn't have a single question that we had to look up on BGG or had to contact VTOL for, which is great because we were playing the prototype before there were really many rules questions Mm -hmm. out there. So, But we didn't have a single one, zero, zilch, not a a single question has come up that isn't answered either in the rulebook or in the player aid. There's lots of historical notes in the rulebook as well that ties the theme in even more so, but it's not obnoxious as far as oh the designer notes are no it's not at all it's Mm -mm. just there's enough in there that which i appreciate
0: all right so and we talked about the player aid a little bit earlier so let's expand on that a little bit it's very well done yeah Yeah, it's invaluable
1: yeah i think so it turns laid out on the back of the player aid booklet but it references steps that are found earlier in the player aid booklet, which this player aid booklet is eight pages Mm -hmm. to put it in context. Now it sounds like, Oh my God, a player aid that's eight pages long. It actually works really well. It makes total sense. Like there is, Hey, how do I gain influence? Oh, okay. And it tells you, that's
0: really neat. Like I really need money, but how do I get it? Yeah, And then you can
1: look and it tells you all the different ways you can get money. Cool. There's a little bit of historical, uh, Basically, I think he had a little extra space on the player mm. eight. So hey, let me throw some design notes right. on there. Cool. All right, all the decree cards are in there. All the cleric tile or clergy tiles are in there, as well as a really well laid out. Oh, this is how a turn, and then within the turn, what actions you yeah. take, it tells you exactly what steps you and need to, to do and where to go and everything. Right. So really well done. However, no. You know what? No, not however. I do have a bone to pick, though, with our fellow gamers. This just in. Read the damn rules, people. There are 57 rules questions currently on BGG. How? How the hell are there 57 questions? I mean, the game's brand new. How the hell did that many show up in that amount of time? Now, some of them are older. However... I went and looked at just a random dozen of them. Every single one of them is answered clearly in the rule book and or the player. God knows I gripe enough about rule books and take publishers and designers to task when they fail with their rule books. However, this is not one of those times. So people quit being lazy and read the damn rules. This is on you.
0: Right, for setup, teardown, teaching and stuff, we've done three playthroughs of the game, two with a prototype and one with a production copy, and we also have an unboxing video. So head on over to youtube.com forward slash heavy cardboard vids and you can, find, you can learn the game, you can see how it's set up, you can see everything that's in the, the deluxe box as well.
1: Yep. And if you prefer a more polished teaching, you can always check out Paul Grogan's video yes. as well, Gaming <laughs> Rules.
0: Why is this game enjoyable?
1: One of the most thematic Euros that I've ever played. Which, again, I, I think it's funny that here I am, the guy that over the course of the last three years, mm-hmm. theme Shmeem, right. and a theme, can only, a theme can only help a game. And boy, does it in this yeah. game. Every single thing is tied into the theme in a way that makes sense and helps bring the history of what happened and why you're doing the things you do to life. Amazing job on that. That that was fantastic. And again, I couldn't care less if there's a theme or not, but in this case, it explains the game so well and tells a story so well that just completely engrossed in it for me. Anyway,
0: it, every single thing is tied in together, like you said, but it also, you feel like you're rebuilding lisboa you really do you know you're collect. the only thing that's kind of weird is collecting the rubble but other than that is you know you're building the stores you're building public buildings you're doing all of those things to bring people back to your homeland to your city
1: yep agreed
0: i love the ripple effect that your decisions within the game have like This affects that, and then that affects that, and that affects that.
1: Yeah, and there's this tree branching from the initial card play that ties in with that. Okay, first off, you have to make a decision which card to play, and then once chosen, you have two choices. Do you play it to your portfolio, or do you play it to the royal court? If you play it to your portfolio, then you have two more choices. Mm -hmm. Do you ship goods, or do you go trade with the nobles? Or if you play it out to the royal court, you have three choices on what you do. So I love the multi-layer decisions that each turn and therefore every single card that you play provides. And with those actions comes this ripple effect that isn't going to affect just you, Mm -hmm. but it's going to affect everybody else at the table and just force that player interaction, which is fantastic.
0: I love the multi-layer of decisions that each turn provides. Like it's just like you, there's so many different options and it just depends on how you play your card. It's incredible.
1: It really is. I dig the, the player controlled game timer because the, the midway point of the game happens when one player collects two sets of rubble, meaning, okay, uh, a set being an earthquake, a fire and a flood. Uh, one piece of rubble of each, that's one set. Mm -hmm. So when one player collects two sets of rubble, or when three of the political decks are empty, it allows players to be able to rush Mm -hmm. either a quicker game, especially in a two-player game, we noticed, or, you know what? No, I'm going to kind of drag my feet a little. It all depends on the strategy that you try to employ.
0: Mm -hmm. If you see that you are winning, but maybe just barely, then you better bust your butt and get a whole bunch of rubble really quick like
1: even though it might not be the most efficient or the the best most maximizing play for you right if that helps accelerate the 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 end game yep then you're going to be benefit you're going to benefit from that more than your opponents or if if you won't then don't do that right then drag your feet right exactly
0: I love the piggybacking of actions. It's just, you know, Wh- you can, What do you
1: mean by piggybacking? Like
0: you can follow other players if you have the ro- the royal favor for the noble that has been placed by the active player, having that action limited compared to what the other player was able to do. Yeah.
1: You know, oh, 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 you're saying as far as the active player, they get one of the side actions as well as the main mm-hmm. action, whereas anybody that follows, you only get
0: one, of, only get
1: one of those three choices. Right. So I like that. I I agree. I like that it limits. Hey, I can piggyback off what you did. Cool. But I don't get as good mm-hmm. of an action as you got as the leader. And on that, having this limited by needing to have the royal favor tile Of the noble that you happen to play, so if you play the builder, I have to have the builder royal favor. It keeps the game from dragging, and not being able to have more than one of each at a given time also helps keep the game from dragging. Because if somebody, let's say on my turn, I played the builder to the royal court. I take my action. I I build a a store. Mm -hmm. Cool, great. I go through all that. And then everybody at the table then follows. And
0: can do all of those things, too. Okay,
1: awesome. Everybody follows. Then it becomes your turn, Amanda, Mm -hmm. and you play the builder. Well, we know two of the folks ain't following because they just spent their royal decree or their royal favor. Mm -hmm. So it keeps the game moving along because people can't continuously follow, follow, follow. You just can't do it over and over and over and over and over again. And I like that the game intentionally limits that.
0: And on that kind of that same vein if you take if you were to take a card or a tile or a clergy tile or whatever and then i follow it doesn't get refilled until everybody's done their stuff and it's no longer your turn
1: right because so if i'm the active player i take my turn let's say i take a couple of those decree cards those in-game scoring cards i take two of them cool there's nine out there on the display. Now there's seven. Mm-hmm. Amanda, if you follow, you have the choice from those seven. Right. And then if you take one or two, then it, it's just diminishing yes. returns. And I like that it again, it penalize not penalizes, but it it puts further limitations on those piggybackers.
0: Right. loaders. Yeah, <laughs> seriously,
1: right? So the way the scoring of the stores ties directly into the theme. I'm going to let Vital say this, or explain this. So he said, and I'm paraphrasing here a little bit, mm-hmm. public buildings drive people to certain zones in certain businesses in town. So if you build a store, you need clients, you need customers. More customers equals more wigs. And remember, wigs are victory points. So you have a store somewhere, but there's no public building nearby. That means no customers, which means no wigs. Then, the right public building is opened in the neighborhood. People start going to your store. Awesome. You get to score. Then, a second public building is opened. More people to your store. More wigs. Yay, party time. <laughs> then, with some skill, a bit of luck, or good foresight on your part, a third public building is built that benefits your store, brings even more people to your business, so your customers have tripled now, so you score a third time. That makes total thematic sense It really to me. does. So, obviously, that's why the public buildings are going to help you score, or that's going to dictate when and if your stores score. Yeah. That makes total sense to it me. It
0: really does. It's cool. So, in other words, all the mechanics in the game make sense. Then.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, just about everything does, yes. Yeah.
0: The interaction is very strong. like
1: hundred percent agree.
0: You can't mess with each other's tableaus and buildings and stuff. You know, I mean, we're trying to rebuild a city. Yeah, right? I,
1: I mean, fair point, right? right? I'm not trying to tear down what you just built. That right. doesn't make sense.
0: But I mean, there's plenty of interaction, you know, with following, creating supply and demand via the ships and affecting the cost of influence others have to pay when visiting those nobles.
1: Yep. And producing goods affects the global price of goods when they're shipped. So there's no direct take that. But even so, there can be some sharper-than-they-look elbows in the game? Yes.
0: The game allows you to be versatile while not making it feel like your decisions have like no impact at all. What do you mean? Like treasury cards. They can be used to give you the much-needed money, because you know, money's tight, obviously. Shocker. Right, I know. <laughs> but it also lowers the value of the treasury itself, which in turn increases the cost that you and others have to pay to visit the nobles.
1: Yeah, that, that's actually a fair point. Or, you know, you can use those treasury cards to just give you a specific building action, mm-hmm. depending on what it is, or resources. Because yeah, if, if you haven't built stores, then you're not producing resources. Mm-hmm. But the kicker, other players can't follow when you play a treasury card. Right. And we have had a number of games in which the final round, possibly even the final two rounds of the game, Everybody's playing treasury cards. Mm-hmm. The reason? Nobody can follow. So nobody's getting additional actions. Right. So you're di- directly impacting other people's games by limiting how many actions they can actually take. Right.
0: But you're not going over and tearing down something.
1: Right. So players also choose a portion of their own end game scoring via the decree cards. Uh, I think that's kind of clever. I think that's kind of cool. It's 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 point sality, but it's player dictated right. point sality.
0: It's not just point salady for the for the just being cause. point salidity. It's right. you can pick how you want to do it. There's enough strategies here that repeated play you have to do to be able to get the rules, you know, kind of ingrained in you and yeah, get, to them. get them
1: out of the way, right. right?
0: But you can also delve into different paths to try to win the game in different ways. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: I I think there's, I'd say there's quite a few different paths to success, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, okay, focus on building stores, obviously creates a lot of goods. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you can do a lot of things with these goods. You can either influence the nobles or trade with the nobles, I mean. You can ship goods for money, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. However, whenever you produce those goods, the market drops because yeah. you've saturated the market, mm-hmm. and unlike it being a traditional market, markets go up and down. This only goes down. So if people are producing a lot of goods, that market, depending not, on what goods are getting produced, they're not going to be dropping, worth anything. Keeps yeah, dropping keeps dropping, which again, thematically, mm-hmm. makes sense. You can build lots of ships, which build your influence and allow easier and cheaper actions with the nobles, and also allows you and other players to be able to ship those goods both for money and then if it's your ships, points.
0: Right. And like we talked about earlier, you know, getting the decree cards early in the game to kind of help you dictate your path and figure out, give yourself direction. Give you a direction. Yeah, Yeah,
1: exactly. So focusing on clergy tiles and whipping the cardinal (laughs) around the track. Okay, you're not literally whipping (laughs) the cardinal, but, you know, he's racing around the track. If you're doing that, constantly acquiring clergy tiles – if you're going around that track there's church scoring Mm -hmm. which you can choose to not only discard some of those clergy tiles any and all of your clergy tiles to get wigs or get points but in addition to that whenever you do that that helps gain you influence Mm -hmm. which you're helping the church you're getting influence that i mean that looks good to the people that again thematically it makes sense and so There's a lot of points to be had in that. But then again, you can only have four clergy tiles at a given time. So maybe some of those that you get, pretty sexy. They help you a lot. Mm -hmm. Real cool, either rule breaker or benefit or whatever. Maybe you don't want to get rid of them. Well, in order to get that influence, which you need that influence to be able to go and you spend that influence whenever you visit with the nobles to be able to take some of these building actions, whether it's building the stores or building the public buildings. You have to have that influence, but to be able to get that influence, you have to discard these clergy towels mm-hmm. for wigs. So yeah, you get points, but, but those clergy
0: tiles are really good,
1: right? You're losing the ability of yeah. that. So there's that really at times agonizing decision mm-hmm. points or ability. At what point do you flip that? You know, okay, screw it. I don't need it. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go for points. But if you discard them, you're unlikely to see those again. So careful what you ask yeah. for. And that's where if you're focusing on whipping the Cardinal around that track to be able to get those, there's that balancing act that mm-hmm. has to take place.
0: And you can also do, you know, a little bit of this, and a little bit of that. You can yeah. whip the Cardinal a little bit. You can get a couple of decree cards. You know, you can do, you don't have to focus on one thing.
1: Yeah. And the game's definitely going to have legs with our group. And mm-hmm. honestly, it's it's hit the table with regularity with our group and I don't see that changing for years, legitimately Mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. years. There's enough here. I mean, obviously, we're not playing the same game week after week after week after week with the show. But that said, I mean, there are dozens of plays in this game easily, Mm -hmm. which not all games would I want to play that much. Right. This one I do. Mm -hmm. All right. So on the flip side.
0: So, you know, like Vital likes to say, the game can be boiled down to play a card do the associated actions and draw a card, but it is rather involved. There's yeah, there, a lot of stuff going on. There. Here.
1: there are a lot of things that you can do. And so parsing, what can I, okay, so I play a card. Where I play it dictates, okay, and it's that whole tree branching mm-hmm. that's going to intimidate some folks, yep. but it also gives the depth of decisions. Mm-hmm. So double-edged sword yep. there, right? Yeah.
0: It feels a bit mechanic heavy. And what I mean by that is, I wonder if the game could have been as good without, you know, just so many things.
1: I 100% disagree. Okay, so here's my question: that I, anytime somebody says complexity for complexity's sake, which is what you essentially mm-hmm. just said, mm-hmm. what would you take out?
0: Exactly, and that's my point. Like, gathers yeah, a ton of stuff, but could it have even been a game without all this stuff?
1: It, because these things are tied together so well that. And it tells this story of the rebuilding of the city. You know what? On that note, actually, I would make, I bet you I could make a case (laughs) that at least one thing could have been either trimmed or or removed. And again, I'm not a designer. I'm not a developer. But the decree cards, this is the one thematic disconnect for me. And that kind of goes in line with what you said is, could something have been removed? If there was anything at all, I would say the decree cards, or at least a majority of the decree cards. And the reason is, everything else is tied together via the theme. Why does the number of public buildings on the north side right. matter to me? Mm-hmm. I don't care, but I get points because I have that decree card. Yeah. Why am I getting rewarded simply for having the most decree cards? Now, there's, God, I don't know, there's 70 plus Decree cards, I get that. And I'm only pulling out a handful. Mm-hmm. However, some of the cards do make thematic sense, but many are simply there just to either give that direction to players and to allow them another path through the game. I get it, but it's kind of a bit jarring when everything else is tied into the theme so well. It really stands out and not necessarily in a good way. Right. I, so that would be my one agreement with you mm-hmm. as far as trimming Everything else, though, what's what's the argument for doing Do it?
0: Do the decree cards feel pasted on to you? <sighs> like they're just there in order to give someone a leg up. The not, magi- not, not a leg up, but give them a direction.
1: Most of them, I feel like the answer is yes. Yeah. Now, I'm sure VTOL will vehemently disagree right. and we'll hear about it tomorrow. I get that. But that's the way it feels. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's the one. If there's a weak point in this game. It's, hey, let's give you points for getting points. Yo, right. dog. Right. And I'm like, come on. That, it just doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's my one real hard disconnect. All right. So this is a player issue and not a game issue, but it happens more than it should. So maybe it is a game issue. Okay. And what that is, is there can be instances of players needing to take back their actions during a turn, not because they changed their minds, but because when they finally got to the later steps in building stores or public buildings or whatever, they find out, "Oh wait, I can't do that." Right. All right, let me reverse all this. Mm-hmm, let me, mm-hmm. you know, give back my goods. Whatever. Yeah. Let me give back the rubble, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Cetera, et cetera.
0: It can add to you know the play length, obviously, but I'm sorry, you should have thought about that. Yeah,
1: A plan better, right? You know? But it definitely can be frustrating for players. But again plan better yeah so that's a player thing but i i've noticed it more so with new players so maybe it's not necessarily a game issue and it's a player hey right. you know hey this is something you need to think about okay i won't make that mistake again right and
0: it's it's not only frustrating to the person that's having to take all their their you know all their stuff back but it gets annoying whenever that happens multiple times in a game it's like dude <laughs> pay attention yeah man. yeah
1: so that okay I, I guess that would be more player thing yeah, than I anything so. else what do you think about the randomness of the clergy tiles and how it impacts the balance of the game
0: it just you know it adds a little bit of
1: well it's that randomness it's randomness
0: sure. it adds an an unknowability piece to it um and it doesn't refresh at all you know you have to move the cardinal in order to get new tiles out there
1: Oh, to get access. Right, right. right. To be able to gain new tiles. You're saying, I got you. Yeah. However, there are some tiles that are clearly better than others. However, as you get better in the game, there are ways to offset Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So, again, that's a player issue, I feel like, I think.
0: Yeah, I could see that. We talked a little bit earlier about how busy the board can seem and how busy the artwork is. And that can...
1: Really, at first glance, yeah. or until you know the game, it can right?
0: intimidate you. But so did Kanban. Right, you know. Right. And then once you get to it, you're like, oh, well, oh it's yeah, nothing. it's
1: fine. It, it's actually really clear. Yeah. This is it has to do with this area. Exact
0: and same with Lisboa.
1: Yep, agreed. The cascading or ripple effect of actions can definitely lead to APing when players really shouldn't. Yeah, don't don't be that person, please. <laughs> just just don't for the consideration of everyone else.
0: Don't be AP McGee. Yep. The end game st- scoring is definitely point salady.
1: Yeah. Um. So let's let's talk about that a little bit more. Is that a negative? I mean, this is not a Stephen Feld game. This is a Vital lacerta game. But do they have that commonality as far as point salady? I mean, because let's face it, you get points for majorities in the buildings. Mm-hmm. You get points for uh, how many um, state officials you spent throughout right. the game to build public buildings. You get points for the amount of sets of rubble that you've done. Now, all of these tie in with work that you have done throughout the game. It's not points for points except for the decree cards.
0: Yeah. Yeah, those will come up again.
1: And so hmm. So I I I understand the point, and I kind of agree, but at least it's from the actions that you've taken throughout the game. Right. And it's not points just for points.
0: True. True.
1: However, I the sticking point for me still is the decree cards. And I'm curious to hear Vito, what mm-hmm. Vital says in response to this, because I I know he will. So I'm curious because that's legitimately the one the one disconnect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: All
1: right. So lastly, and I really don't wanna eh, maybe we will a little bit, but the production quality. As we have said, top notch. Yeah. Fantastic production quality. But. However, with that production quality it's a higher than average price point and that definitely seems to be off putting to some people mm-hmm. now i've seen comments on bgg somebody rated the game a 1 because they just don't they they feel like the game is overpriced for there's no need for it to be this highly produced or some people would argue overproduced there are people in our slack channel that don't want to support this because they think this is overproduced and it doesn't need to be this nice and it's just nice and so they can charge so ego can charge a higher MSRP. But I would argue that higher production costs means higher right. I mean I mean it's not like they're gouging. It's people. not it's
0: not like you're taking a piece of paper and drawing on it with a Sharpie and saying, Oh, this is high production quality, so it's gonna be a hundred dollars. You know, it's not there's a lot of stuff here. I well. The box is like ten pounds. Wait,
1: I see. Okay, that I have an issue with. That I don't give a shit how much stuff comes in mm-hmm. the box. That doesn't necessarily dictate the value of a game.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I get that stuff costs money. Right. I get that. Right. So my what I do want to focus on though is, do you agree that the game doesn't need to be? deluxified. Or, oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. But it also, I feel like, would suffer if it was a Winsome-esque type of game. You, It wouldn't have the same whoa feeling to it if it didn't have the stuff that it has.
1: I agree. Would it lose some of the thematic impact?
0: Absolutely. I, I'm i inclined to
1: agree that it would. I mean, I, I can see the argument that... Does it need to have a cardinal shaped cardinal or could that just be a red cube?
0: Of course it could.
1: But I think why not? Yeah. Now, I I mean this is a, a truly this is a conversation for a bigger scope, I think. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm curious to get feedback from the public yeah. at large on that. Like how do you feel about these I don't feel like it's overproduced. I feel like it's highly produced. Yeah. It's pretty. Mm -hmm. It looks great on the table. Mm -hmm. It has that wow factor.
0: It has a presence.
1: And as somebody who wants to attract players Mm -hmm. onto the heavier end of the spectrum, let's face it. Some people are going to be drawn to win some games just because of the mechanisms. I get that. Those are probably the exception. I mean, honestly, were those people. Yeah. I mean, I'm okay. I, I I I appreciate the appeal of an 18XX mm-hmm. and a deep thought game production, plain looking, winsome looking yep. game. But I, I can. But
0: I also like this as well.
1: I do as well, and I think that this is the gateway drug mm-hmm. that gets people into playing yes. heavier games. So in that respect, I 100% mm-hmm. support this yep. because. People see pretty, people see aesthetically pleasing games, piques their interest. It appeals to their eye. And then if we can get them into this, the world's their oyster Mm -hmm. as far as gaming goes. And that's better for us, the heavy gamer. I mean, obviously it's better for us as heavy cardboard, but it also just means that there's going to be more of these games made. And Mm -hmm. by these games, I mean heavier games. I feel like it's a win-win. I think it's short-sighted to complain about the production quality that, oh, it's not available to more people because of the higher price point. I get that. But I also see the other side of it that it brings in these newer Mm -hmm. players that might not be interested in Lisboa if it were basic production.
0: And this is the type of game that if you have it on the table at a convention, people are going to stop and look at it. Yeah. Whether they just got back from playing, you know...
1: Ticket to ride. Ticket to
0: ride. Or they just got done playing, you know, the supply lines of the American Revolution. They see Lisboa. They're going to stop because it's gorgeous. It There's a, you know, the the player boards are even, you know, just as intricate as the player boards are might stop some people.
1: So, yeah. Anyway, I just figure I would bring it up since I know people are going to be discussing it mm-hmm. at, amongst themselves. So, I figure I would at least address it. So, all right before we finish up here normally I would go here to comments you know from other people that have rated the game and and everything mm-hmm. but I'll be honest game's pretty new and and by pretty new I mean it's brand new there's really not much out there at least not much by way of counterbalance to the positives right right so I just skipped them so yeah, nothing that's fair. this so hopefully the review helps y'all now notice some some of y'all veterans of the show mm-hmm. have noticed that we we didn't talk about scalability. So there was some discussion on this on our Slack channel about what is scalability. Well, there are two sides of the coin, right? Mechanically, what's physically different mm-hmm. in the gameplay, what's really different between two-player and four-player, and how does the game feel? How does it play differently? Right. So I figure we would kind of cut this out and try it right here.
2: Sounds so we'll see good. how this goes.
1: So... Scalability you tackle it from either direction that you want, Amanda, how do you feel the game scales?
0: It scales well because it you know like there's one row of stores blocked off for the two player game there's less ships available it makes it tighter, which it should because there's less people
1: sure so okay, so you're saying and I'll be honest, the three and four player game very minimal differences in the actual like what the game itself is, and by minimal, I mean i th- think the only difference is the number of ships that are available mm-hmm. that's it whereas in a two player one whole row of stores right can't be built don't exist yep cut off that there's, that a, whole there's row. A,
0: just a, there's a physical piece that is laid on to, on the board yeah, to cover them up
1: 20 of the possible stores are gone
0: yep the game flies at two players as well like you were like we were talking about earlier it just it kind of hits you upside the head like oh wait it's already halfway point wait yeah
1: and, and i don't think that's necessarily a negative it's just a wow that moves mm-hmm. really quickly
2: mm-hmm.
1: however i gotta say i really enjoyed the game across all three of the player counts that we've played it with two three and mm-hmm. four
2: mm-hmm.
1: four as long as people are moving yeah. and they're not tanking forever and a p, the game short turns relatively unless everybody and their mother is following right. in one turn then maybe one turn
0: Yeah, because there's there's no way there's going to be many of those turns because of how you have to follow.
1: Exactly. And so on that note, I mean, the two-player obviously plays quicker, but the three and four definitely feels like an appropriate play length and it still keeps moving. So the gameplay, it doesn't feel... I get the same game feel across the entire player count. The only real difference is... That, Like you mentioned, the shipping in the two-player is neutered, I think, it maybe, because in a four-player game, there are three of each level of ships, and there's four levels because there's four different periods, mm-hmm. four different decks of cards. And so there's three ships of each period, so there's a potential during the first half of the game for there to be a maximum of six ships. Right. And odds are not everybody's going to be shipping goods in a four player game often at mm-hmm, least mm-hmm. and so you always you i wouldn't say always but almost all the time have the availability to ship goods as your choice of action to be able to you know milk that economy for money by by right. selling goods in the two player game though there's only two ships mm-hmm. one of one of each period and that really limits the availability if both players are shipping Yeah. to, because there's one ship with a whole capacity of one and one ship with a whole capacity of two, it's three goods max. And if if you ship, if you have the level two ship, those goods only clear at the beginning of your turn. So if you then ship again, well, now I'm limited to only being able to use my one whole ship. Mm -hmm. And so that limits the economy. Now, is that a bad thing? Not necessarily. It's just it's something that caught me unawares. Yeah. And really surprised me. And I was like, oh, so I have to go a different direction. It looks like to be able to get money because this isn't working for me.
0: And it might even be like a game of chicken at that point is who's going to take that first ship with only one hull capacity. Right.
1: And and so it's a it's a slightly different feel in that one respect at the two player Mm -hmm. game as opposed, but. Equally good, just different. Right. But only that one aspect feels different Mm -hmm, to mm me. Everything else feels, yeah, like we're playing Lisboa. Right, right. right. There's no gimmicky, you know, pseudo player. There's nothing like that. We can't speak to the solo game. I apologize. I'm sure Uh, Travis uh, over at Little Player Mm -hmm. Count will be able to hook you all up for that. Maybe Ricky Royal, if he's still doing reviews (laughs) other than just making his own game. But... Yeah, I, I I definitely think that the game mechanically, physically scales well, but it also plays really well across all the player counts.
0: I would agree with you. All right, so as everybody knows, I like to go first with my summaries because... I, I think
1: you've been doing way better on these than I have, I, but go for it. Okay.
0: Lisboa is beautiful, as is the gameplay itself. I enjoy the game. I enjoy the balance that must be found and maintained throughout in order to possibly be effective. I like that it can be described as simply as Vital does. Play a card, do the actions, draw a card.
1: Simple game.
0: But it also takes over 45 minutes to teach. It's a stupendous, glorious game. Yes, I'm a Vital sort of fangirl, but I do truly believe that this is an amazing game.
1: Streamlined, thematically relevant, and completely engaging to play. That's how I'd sum up Lisboa.
0: What's your rating, sir?
1: I think this is a fantastic game. It it's very well likely going to be in my top fifty mm-hmm. of all all my games. It's going to compete with Vino's as my all time favorite Vita game. Does that mean it's a Hall of Fame game? Yeah. And that hesitation right there yep. tells me it's a five, not a six.
0: Yeah. And here we go again because uh, really, Come that on. was my exact thought process. Was well, it's not. It's not a Hall of Fame game to me. But it sure as shit ain't a four, so it has to be a five.
1: All right, there we go again.
0: We are married. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: <laughs> We wanted to say thanks to Eagle Griffin Games for providing both the prototype months ago as well as the review copy for us to put through its paces here. So thanks, guys. And that's Lisboa.
3: Hey, uh, Heavy Cardboard. Hey, uh, Edward and Amanda, this is, uh, Mike in Des Moines calling. Uh, I just thought I would, uh, call and tell you that I really, really enjoy your show. I think it's just, uh, fantastic, fantastic content you're putting out. Uh, I was curious, uh, how, uh, how can I go about supporting you if I wanted to maybe throw you a few dollars here and there, uh, to hopefully keep things going there? Because, man, I'm really liking it and I think it's, I think it's definitely worth uh, a little bit of money to, to help you along there. So if you wouldn't mind, let me know. That would be uh, much appreciated. And, uh, hey, while I got you, one thing I was kind of curious about, uh, I do love some animation and I love some board games. So I'm curious if you ever thought about, uh, making an animated series, uh, about heavy cardboard. Maybe like, uh, Davis the elephant and, uh, Asher the greyhound to go and fight crime, uh, with board games. I thought maybe that'd be a great idea. And I thought I'd just uh, run it past you. Something uh, to consider for the future. So anyway, you guys keep up the good work. You're doing a great job there. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Thanks. See ya.
1: Hey, Mike. Thanks for chiming in. It's good
0: to hear from you, man.
1: I love the idea of Davis and Asher crime fighting team. (laughs) Yes. You can actually support the show at patreon.com forward slash heavy cardboard. It's completely optional, of course. But just five bucks a month gets you access to the Patreon-only Slack community that's filled with fellow heavy game enthusiasts talking literally around the clock. I mean, we do have people in all points of the globe, right? right? Talking board games, themes, mechanism integration, conventions, pretty much everything board game related. And also, there's that random channel for, well, random discussions. Mm. (laughs) Also, the heavy cardboard Glory to Rome live playthroughs. Think of it as heavy cardboard unfiltered, I think is a good way to put it. Mm -hmm. We also occasionally have patron-only giveaways and coming soon, a patron-only t-shirt. We also have some higher levels with some cool swag. So, if that's something that interests you, check us out over on patreon.com forward slash Heavy Cardboard. So that's going to do it for this episode of Heavy Cardboard. Thanks everybody for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Catch you all next time.
0: Bye everybody.
1: Later.